soon as I retrieve my pen, I'll be able to raise mine. <laughs> I'm a child of God. Having my hand. Powerful Word of God. Can change lives. Heal broken hearts. Save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Just look at your neighbor and just say, I love you. Today's our final message in our series, Forgiveness, the Real F Word. And every week that we've uh, talked about this, out of Luke 15, I've tried to reference the prodigal son. You remember the story, the uh, son decides that he's smarter than he really is, and he decides he's going to take the one-third of his dad's estate and go off and uh, spend it before he died, uh, creating great insult to his father and to his family, but he takes off anyway and lives wild on the money, and as soon as the money's wasted and all gone, then a famine hits the land, and finds himself in a job feeding pigs and then eating what the pigs are eating and what they won't eat. Decides, well, you know, I think I'll go back home to my dad and apologize and repent and uh, perhaps he'll let me be one of his hired servants. And so the Bible teaches as the son was in a, in a great distance away, the father saw him and ran to him to greet him. And as the father approached him, he reached out with both of his hands and grabbed him around the throat and began to choke him uncontrollably. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. That's a, that's a modern-day parable. No. no, you know the story. He runs out and greets his son and hugs him and embraces him and uh, puts the ring on and the robe, and they have the greatest of celebrations because the son that was lost is now found. So that ends the parable, and it ends in a happily ever after position, or at least I wonder if it did. I mean, you know, after all, the the son, he came back from uh, from being gone, came home, but did it really change? Did it change his life? Did it change him at all? I mean, he didn't like it before. I wonder what was going to be different now. So it just kind of makes you wonder if he would have made some changes, and if he would ever be able to forgive himself. You know, it's the same question that we're going to ask today. Am I living forgiven? Am I living forgiven? Have I received God's forgiveness in my life? And if I've received God's forgiveness in my life, has it transformed my life radically like only God's forgiveness can? Or am I still living the same life I lived before because I really haven't embraced that? Colossians 1.4 is our opening verse there in your outline. It says, God has purchased our freedom with His blood and has forgiven all our sins. That's a powerful verse, isn't it? We stop and think about it. We didn't earn it, deserve it, purchase it. It's simply given, given to us as a gift from God. Salvation is a gift from God. And we just have to believe in what Jesus did on the cross. And we need to ask Him to forgive us. And when He does, He says He will. And when He does, our sins are gone. Wiped away. Isn't that awesome? Just think about that. Just wipe. Wiped away. Man, I'd love to get up tomorrow and the bank call me and say, Hey, you don't owe any more in your house. Wiped away. Hey, you don't owe any more in your car. Wiped away. 
Hey, you don't need any more student loan. It's gone. Yeah. That'd be great, wouldn't it? Kind of takes me to our memory verse for the week. First John 1 John 1.9. We read it earlier, but here it is in a little bit of a different version. Let's read it together, starting, but if. Ready? Go. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from every wrong. Boy, that's amazing. All you got to do is just talk to Him. Talk to Him. Parents, when your kids are in trouble, you'd rather them tell you the lie than you would the truth. Amen? No, no, just the opposite. You'd, even though you know that they've done the wrong, you really want them to tell you the truth. And if they don't tell you the truth, it usually exacerbates the problem more, doesn't it? Because you want them to learn to tell the truth even if they've done something bad. Now, I have a granddaughter that will not keep a secret. I try to give her candy. I try to get her stuff that she's not supposed to have at the wrong time of the day. And her mother wants to put me in timeout all the time because of it. But Kelsey, she'll say, oh, no, I'm going to go tell my mom. And I'll say, don't go tell your mom. Oh, i got to talk to mom first before I do this. Now, little brother, oh, that's a whole new ball game there. That's a whole new ball game. We can have a, we, I can get him in a lot more trouble than I can get Kelsey. Cause Kelsey will tell her mother everything. I hope it never changes. Hope it never changes. But you know, God wants us to be that way with Him. Hey, you know, we blow it. We make mistakes. He just simply says, bring it back to me. Let's talk about it. Much like the prodigal son. And we'll get a reception like that, right? You know, in life we walk around with a lot of dead weight on our shoulders, don't we? We put a lot of burdens on ourselves that we don't need to have. And today, I want us to talk about that, how to get rid of some of those burdens that that we place on ourselves. Carl Menninger is a famed psychiatrist, and he once said that if he could convince every person in a psychiatric hospital that they were forgiven, if he could do that, 75% of them, he said, would walk out of the hospital the very next day. In our society, our biggest problem isn't a psychological one, it's more of a heart problem. We struggle with a pure heart and the forgiveness that needs to be extended to others, but mainly to ourselves. Mainly to ourselves. And God has an answer. He really does. And I'm excited to share that with you. So the first burden that God wants to lift from us is a burden of doubt. The burden of doubt. And it's, it's, a, it's a big thing that a lot of people struggle with. Doubt is defined as an uncertainty of belief that interferes with decision making. Doubt is being so uncertain about what I believe that I am unable to make decisions about the future without doubt interfering with me. Let me give you an example of that. Let's say you're at work and you're offered a promotion. But that promotion requires that you step up to another level of work and you're afraid. You have doubts of your ability to do that. So you say, well, I don't think I can do that, so I I, I don't think I'll take the position. Let's say that you're at a certain job and you have a certain pay level. And you feel pretty good about where you are. But God seems to be calling and opening another door to take another job that's going to be more fulfilling and rewarding in your life. But you don't see how, if you take it at that point, financially you're going to be able to make it. 
And so you have doubts about whether God will take care of you if you take a cut in pay. And so you pass up the job and you think, well, I'll hang on to the security I have because that's really more important. President Franklin Roosevelt once said, the only limit to our realization of tomorrow will be our doubts of today. Our doubts of today. Doubts about ourselves, our ability, our intellect, our uh, doubt about others. I doubt intentions of people towards me. But most importantly, most importantly, I have doubt about God. Doubts about maybe even does God exist? Doubts about does God really care or does God really love me? Doubts about will God really forgive me all the things that have happened in my life? Can I really trust God with my life? See, God wants to replace my doubts with security. Write that down somewhere. God wants to replace my doubts with security. He wants to replace my doubts with security. Security is nice. Security means that you know for certain. You see, when I go to bed at night, I have an alarm that we set on our house. And so I can go to bed at night knowing that if that alarm goes off, somebody's trying to break into my house. So I set it. I even put a deadbolt lock on the door. I even put a triple lock on the on the storm door. Put as many locks as you can, amen? Because somehow that's going to help us make and be secure. So we sleep better. But so many of us live in this life without an eternal security attached to where we're going from here. And even how to get along here. Because we it creates so much doubts. Hebrews 10.18 says, I will never again remember your sins and lawless deeds. Now when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. Did you get that? There's no need to offer any more sacrifices. I think that's great news. Jesus did it once for all. There's no need to do anything else to be forgiven. In fact, we couldn't do it anyway. We can't purchase our security. We can't good our way to security. We can't hope our way to security. We can't even uh, 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 pray about it to get it. God's going to give it to you. Now, praying about it doesn't hurt. But just prayer alone won't work. If someone accepts God's forgiveness into their life and then they decide to turn their back on God and go away from God, well, what happens? You know people like that. Maybe you feel that way yourself. Well, I love the idea that you can't get rid of him. (laughs) God is the type of person that once he loves you and you accept that love, he never turns you away. Julian of Norwich, back in the 14th century, was a Christian mystic. She had great fear of losing her salvation. In fact, of her sins... It caused her a great deal of stress. She had anxiety because she wasn't secure about her future. One day she's walking through the woods. She saw an acorn and she picked up the tiny acorn. She held it in her hand. She wrapped her hand around that acorn and she thought how secure that acorn was in her hand. Then she realized if that acorn was secure in her hand, how secure her life, her eternity, her future 
was in the hands of God. You see, when God has us, He's got us. Take a deep breath and relax. But preacher, what if I run away? Well, just like the prodigal, come back. I put on your notes there a little thing, a scale of 1 to 10, on a scale of 1 to 10. And I'm going to give you five burdens to lift. I've talked about the first one about doubt. But now I'd like for you to take this test. And before each of those or after each of those main points, I want you to write the number that you would do on a scale of 1 to 10. Because we're going to do on each of these five just for fun. Kind of tell us where we are. So if you would, take a minute on a scale of 1 to 10. One meaning, meaning that you doubt a whole lot. No, I'm sorry. It's just the opposite. One means you doubt very little, and ten means you doubt a whole lot. So figure out which number would be you, and write that out beside the burden of doubt. What number did you put there? Be sure and put one down. And I'm going to scoot on to number two. You've got the burden of doubt. Then you've got the burden of guilt. The burden of guilt. Past mistakes. Past sins. That's where guilt is. Guilt is knowing that you've messed up and you're experiencing the blame for that mistake. You ever, you ever said to yourself, well, it makes sense. I blew it years ago, so I'll just keep on blowing it. I mean, you may find yourself saying that. You don't have to. Because see, God can help you change that in an instant. It can change. If you were a person that used profanity, you can change and not use it anymore. If you were a person that smoked, you could stop and not smoke so much, if at all. If you're a drinker, you can stop drinking. If you're a, I don't know what, you fill in the blank. If you're an overeater, you can stop overeating. Yeah. I mean, my blood sugar this morning was 75. Doctor goes nuts when I'm at 75. He said, why do you let it get so low? I said, because I enjoy it low. But see, tomorrow it might be 153. I don't know. But the point is, is if I'm living consistently, it's going to stay balanced, you see. Well, that's the way it is in our spiritual walk. Guilt is something God never expected us to experience. And there is an emotion that comes along with guilt, and it's called shame. Shame and guilt go hand in hand. There's shame and it humiliates. It's a humiliating emotion. It makes you feel bad about yourself. So many of us are carrying around a burden of guilt and shame over mistakes that we've made in the past, mistakes in relationships, times that we've turned away from God, things that we're embarrassed about, that we've messed up. And no matter what we do, we try to get rid of that burden, but it seems to get heavier all the time. But no matter what we do, we never seem to be able to feel pure and clean again. That's why so many people want to be rebaptized. They want to reconnect to that cleansed feeling that they felt at the waters of baptism. I contend to you, if you go back to your memory verse, 1 John 1, 9, that you'll find it again. It's God's, he said, I'm going to take care of it all and wipe it clean. I mean, we could be baptized every day, most of us, amen? <laughs> Because we mess up that often. But God's sacrifice at Calvary covered all that once and for all. 
Look at our next verse, Psalm 38. My guilt overwhelms me. It's a burden too heavy to bear. Wow. And for a lot of people, guilt is the biggest one. It's the biggest burden they carry. God wants to replace my guilt with peace. Now write that down. My my guilt with peace. He wants to replace my guilt with peace. Now some of these I've thrown in the, in the outline. Others I haven't. So hopefully you can get them all down. Well, God wants to replace my guilt with peace. God's not the source of guilt or shame in your life. Now, a lot of people think that guilt and shame are weapons that God uses in order to manipulate us to do what He wants us to do. But it's not true. Satan, however, uses guilt and shame to remind you of where you used to be. See, that's the whole point. Where I used to be. Ha! See, now that I'm in Christ, I'm not there anymore. Amen. You see, don't let him, don't let him pull that trick on you. You're so far past that. A lot of people don't come to church because they come to church and they feel guilty. They don't want to come to church and feel guilty, so they just don't come. There's shame attached because of some of the lifestyle they have. I was watching a program the other day on television and a lady was talking about how she goes, she stays out partying all. She said, she said, I'm, I'm happily divorced. She said, boy, I stay out till five o'clock on Sunday morning and I get up and go on to church. <laughs> how about that? Party hardy until it's church time. Then we go stand up and look like we're praising the Lord. Amen. Family feud. You must have saw it too. <laughs> And, we're, and the family said, we're praying for her. That's right. See, when we disobey God, it's when we feel guilty. It's when shame comes. It's when we've walked away from God. That's where guilt comes. Let's look at our next verse, Acts 13. Everyone who believes in Him is free from all guilt and declared right with God. Underline those four words, free from all guilt. Free from all guilt. You know, I've asked you over the last couple of weeks to put your initials in if you wanted to be forgiven. And then initials in if you wanted to forgive somebody. And those have been wonderful. I've been praying over those for you and with you. I hope that you're sensing that prayer. I hope that you have have felt the God lifting of that. Now I want you to grade yourself on a scale of 1 to 10 again by that, by guilt, by the burden of guilt. Write down that number. One meaning I'm not very guilty. Ten meaning I'm really guilty. Somewhere in there. Be honest. Be honest with yourself. Nobody's going to see this outline, by the way. This is yours. Unless you want to show it to somebody. Takes us to number three. The third burden that we tend to carry a lot is the burden of grudges. It's very destructive. Very destructive. That burden is filled with hurt feelings, with anger, with resentment. Hateful thoughts toward another person who we think has harmed us in the past. You know, carrying that bag around, carrying that load of, dis, of, of baggage around can be very destructive. Unfortunately, holding a grudge, holding on to anger against another person, it never hurts the other person. It never does. It only hurts you. In fact, most people don't even know that you've got a grudge against them. Because it doesn't bring relief. 
So why do it? God wants to replace my grudges with freedom. Write that down. God wants to replace my grudges with freedom. And when you are able to release that person from guilt, and from the guilt releasing them completely, boy, it can just lift such a burden from your shoulders. Why care it anymore? Let it go. Let it go. My three-year-old, or my two-year-old, I should say, grandson, loves to watch Frozen. He says, Grandpa Frozen, Papa Frozen. So we put it on. For the next however long, he sits there and watches that movie. Isn't that amazing? And when Mickey Mouse comes on before the movie starts, he calls out Mickey Mouse. Tell me they can't learn. Put the Word of God in front of them, see if they can't learn it. They learn it. So remember, carrying the weight of revenge, grudges, never lasts. It only hurts you. It never hurts them. Never does. Gordon MacDonald said, Forgiveness is the giving and so the receiving of life. Colossians 3.13 says, You must. Now underline those two words. You must. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. You see, our life, our freedom depends on releasing those that we hold a grudge against. Let it go. Let it go. Experience God's freedom by letting it go. Now, once again, by grudges. One to ten, scale of one to ten. Where will you find yourself? Not holding much or holding a whole lot? Be honest. Be honest, scale of one to ten. Takes us to number four. That's the burden of regret. The burden of regret. God wants to lift all these burdens off our shoulders. A lot of us have regret about past mistakes, missed opportunities, things that have happened in our life that we wish we could have changed. How do we define regret? Regret is defined as sorrow aroused by circumstances beyond one's control or power to repair. You ever hurt somebody so bad that that relationship was severed? <clears throat> you ever said something that you wish you could get back? That really affected a relationship. You didn't really intend to do that, but boy, it came out. <laughs> and when it comes out, you can't get it back. Amen? So we've got to understand. And there's nothing that you can do or I can do to really fix that. Only God can fix it. Only God can fix it. Look at Romans 4, 7. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. You know, in this verse it says that past mistakes, sins, missed opportunities are put out of the sight of God when He forgives us. And out of the sight of other people when we forgive them and re release them. And it's put out of our sight. And it's really important that they're no longer, these, these things are no longer remembered. Just get rid of them. You don't need to remember them anymore. Let it go. Let it go, let it go, let it go. Let it go. Because with God's forgiveness, second chances, third chances, fourth chances, the future of hope, and that's the thing that God has for us. There are no dead ends with God. 
He's always ready to forgive if we will but ask Him. That's all you got to do is ask. He'll get it. Alexander Graham Bell said, When one door closes, another door opens. But we so often look so long as, as so regretfully upon the closed door that we do not see the one that is open for us. You know, we've got to look for those open doors. There's going to be plenty of doors that close in your life. Let it go. Let, let it close. You don't know what God's got in store for you next. Just keep going. Just keep going one step at a time. Tuesday. Tuesday, you've got an opportunity. Everybody in this country who still has an opportunity to vote should go vote. I'm not going to tell you who. I'm not going to tell you what party because they're all corrupt. But pray about it. God's going to lead you in the right way. But don't set it home. Don't set it home. 93 million Christians set it home last last major election. That's sad. Just sad. Just sad. The mayor of Houston pulled back her subpoenas on those five pastors. Why? Because they stood. Stood up. As some people say, that was a bunch of baloney. It doesn't matter. You see, Satan's always testing the waters, isn't he? He's always testing the waters. And it's about time Christians start standing up and saying, no more. No more. No more. we still got to love people. you got to love people. And what that mayor needed more than anything in Houston was somebody to love her. Somebody to show her Christian love. God's love. Not hatred. What does hatred do? Somebody says you can't do something, just love them anyway. <laughs> just love them anyway. You can hit your dog and come home later and your dog's still going to love you. Because it wants to be loved, right? Yeah, it wants to be loved. That's why Cindy beats on me every day because I keep coming back wanting her to love me. Perhaps you've experienced a time when you needed to be somewhere or to be with someone and you were never able to do that and that person perhaps died and you remember regretfully and that you wish you had made that call. You know, I've mentioned many times when you get a prompting from the Holy Spirit to send a letter, make a phone call, do it. Do it right then. Do it right then, and you won't regret it. You won't regret it. Catherine Mansfield said, Make it a rule of life never to regret and never to look back. Regret is an appalling waste of energy. You can't build on it. It's only wallowing in. All right, scale of 1 to 10 on number 4 there. Number 4. Scale of 1 to 10. 1, don't deal with it much. 10, I'm dealing with a whole lot. Have any regrets? And it takes us to number five, the last one. God wants to lift the burden of fear. A burden of fear. We are so afraid in our world today. We get worked up over so many things that we don't really need to. Don Baker has given me two books to read, and you read them, I scare you to death. If you read the book called The Harbinger and then you turn around and read The Shemitah, uh, The Mystery of the Shemitah, uh, you'd, be, you'd be going, oh my goodness, this is over. We're done. 2015 is the Shemitah year. September. It's over. <sighs> Take a deep breath. God's still on the throne. He's never gotten off. 
I'm going to lose everything. You never had it to start with. Amen? You never had to start with. You came in naked. Guess how you go out? It's an awful thought when you think about it. <laughs> We're afraid to step into the future. We're afraid of death. Most Christians are afraid to die. Don't be. Do you have Jesus in your heart? Do you have the Lord on your side? And relax. What we're afraid of is how we're going to die. Hey, just relax. God's got that under control too. What if it's a terrible and painful? He'll be there with you. Don't you think it was painful when they poured tar on Christians? I think it was painful when they cut off their heads when they were Christians. Oh, by the way, that's happening today. Hmm. God didn't create fear. And He didn't create, create us to be afraid. He wants to replace, write this down, He wants to replace fear with courage. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Scale of 1 to 10, how do you find yourself? 1, I'm in a lot of fear. 10, I mean 1, I'm not in any fear at all. 10, I'm in a lot of fear. Where do you find yourself? Be honest. Be honest with yourself. Doubt, guilt, grudges, regret. Fear. All symptoms of an unforgiven life. There are burdens and weights that we carry around with us all the time. It's been said that when you pray, you need to give God all of these burdens. Amen? They can be described like a backpack. And we have a tendency to walk up to the cross, take off our backpack of burdens and lay them at the foot of the cross, pray for Him to forgive us, and He does. And we say amen and put the bag back on and walk away. Leave it. Leave it. Leave it. Our last verse. Hebrews 12.1 <coughs> Let's read this one together starting at therefore. Ready? Go. Therefore, as we are surrounded such a huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Underline that phrase, strip off every weight. Now let's finish the verse. Especially the sin that so easily hinders our progress and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. You didn't have that. But if you kept reading in verse 2, it would tell you that. The sin that so easily hinders our progress, get rid of it. Get rid of it. And all it takes is a sincere heart that says, I'm going to do this. Calls out to God for salvation. Calls out to God for forgiveness. And the Bible very clearly says He will give it to you.
That's simple. It's that simple. Pray with me if you would. Father, we ask you this morning, in the quietness of this moment, as we've looked at some burdens that we can seem to carry a lot, God, I'm going to ask everyone to open their eyes and look at their connection card. And there's two things on the connection card that I want them to pay attention to. And Father, I hope that they will take the time to say, I'm choosing today to overcome the following burden. And they'll put a check mark by it. Maybe there's more than one. Maybe all five. But God, I want to join them in prayer this week as they turn these cards in and I pray with them and, oh, they'll remember which ones they checked. Then, Father, and more importantly, is that third step and next step. Today, I'm not going to let life's burdens create a struggle in my life. I'm, I want Jesus to be my master and my Lord and I want to be saved. Father, maybe there's someone here like that. I'd sure like to follow up with them and see if we can't take care of that. But God, if they would be honest with themselves and with you, it would just indicate where they're at, what a difference today could make in their life. A burden could be lifted or burdens, plural, could be lifted. And God, they'll find some relief and release that they've never experienced. Father, I'm praying today that in the honesty of this moment, they'll respond to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stay and sing our song. Jeff's going to lead us.